Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. I am thrilled to introduce you to our sponsor, Windshape Marriage. Their weekend retreats will strengthen your marriage and you will enjoy this gorgeous setting, delicious food, and quality time with your spouse. To find out more, visit them online at windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. Today's message is not intended for little ears. We'll be discussing some adult themes and I want you to be aware before you listen to this message. I hope you were able to join us yesterday for Francie Winslow's part one. And as we continue our top 10 series, here is part two as our fourth most downloaded episode from 2021. Francie's going to give us a brief glimpse into the science of what is occurring when we come together sexually as husband and wife. And she's also going to share plenty of motivation and practical application for ways to enjoy this gift in marriage. Here's our chat. Welcome back to the Savvy Sauce, Francie. Thank you. It's so fun to be back here again with you. Well, last week we laid a biblical foundation for sexual intimacy, and now I'd love to focus more on the science of sex. So first, how do you think the creator of the universe made it possible for us to experience pleasure? Okay, like I said in the first episode, I am no expert on anything. I'm just like a curious God worshiper. I am an intimacy evangelist. So all of this has come from my curiosity. I'm not a scientist or a biologist or an OB or anything like that. But what I have realized is that God is intentional in his creation. And as I'm a mother and I'm watching literally the birds and the bees, I'm watching the cycles of nature, I'm watching pollination and the way that there is fruitfulness everywhere. This entire world is fruitful through (laughs) this form of reproduction and this form of abundant life. And that is God's good design. And as the crown of his creation, he marked our entire bodies to be sexual, to be reproducing, to be filled with this longing for multiplication. And that's what sexual longing ultimately is, is this longing to make more love. And it's hardwired into our minds, our bodies, our emotions, and our genitals. And it not only stops there, but it's physically present in the chemicals of our brain and our brain wiring. And all of that is God's glory on display and his wisdom and his goodness and his generosity. And of course, the enemy hates all of those parts of God. And so he capitalizes on them and has inspired perversion and pain and abuse and a total twisting of those. But one of my loves is to look back at the the goodness of the beginning and the goodness of in the beginning, God created and anything that is good. I give him the glory and I give him the original creative credits. And so when I look at how God designed our bodies, um, he designed them to be flooded with feel good hormones that promote bonding and health and rest and connection and an overall sense of well-being when we're intimate with our spouse. And I think, wow, Lord, you're so good. You could have made it that we make eye contact and suddenly a baby pops out. You could have made it so many things, but the way he made sex is that it not only produces life, 
but it bonds us chemically. It creates a sense of oneness. It gives us so much of a, a oxytocin wash that we actually are softened towards our spouse's weaknesses and we're not as harsh and we're not as um, demanding, you know, in terms of our expectations, because there is this sense of closeness and this sense of grace. And it comes from all of these chemicals that wash our brains when we are intimate. So some of those are the reasons why I stand in awe of God and the science behind sex that points to the good giver of the gift. And just to elaborate on something that my professor, Dr. Michael Seitzma, had said, and it bears repeating, which I'll also link to some of the episodes that he's been on previously, but exactly what you're talking about today and experiencing pleasure. He said, it's incredible how God placed this prime piece of real estate on the female body with the only intention of pleasure. And our clitoris was designed simply for pleasure. It has no other function. And so the more that we learn about God's design, I think it does cause us to worship him and just appreciate this gift. So from what you've studied, Francie, how does our hippocampus change and how does sex in marriage actually lower our stress levels? Well, you know, going back to just real quick what you just said, what's interesting is that the clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings and the penis only has 4,000. And so to the woman who has a hard time releasing control or like entering into pleasure, just know that it was God's intention for you to be free in love, free in expression, free in receiving. And so sometimes I think even just looking back to the original creator, the goodness of God on my body teaches me that as a woman, I'm designed to be receptive. I'm designed to enter into pleasure with abandon. And that points to, as we said in our last episode, the spiritual act of worship, but also in my marriage to be fully receptive to the love of my husband and to the pleasure that I'm capable of receiving is a real opposite message from what I think we were trained to think and learn as especially young Christian women, but also just women in general have a harder time on the receiving end. And so let that just be a little fact that inspires an ability to think more about maybe I can receive more pleasure because God actually ordained that I would be filled with pleasure. So I love that your professor pointed that out. That's so true. Honestly, because I'm not a brain scientist, I don't know specifically about the hippocampus. Maybe you could speak to that. But I know the the benefits in general that sex reduces stress. It creates better rest. It burns calories. It boosts the immune system. It lowers blood pressure. It actually increases your libido. So the more sex you have, the more sex you want to have, which is kind of cool. It reduces chronic pain. It lowers risk of prostate cancer. It fosters more productivity and clear thinking and so much more. And so when I think about, whoa, those are just what kind of worldly scientists have observed. How much more goodness does God have intended for us that we might not even have discovered yet? And so it definitely has the ability to deactivate regions of the brain that are connected to threat, which it means like stress and a worry. And I love that about it because oftentimes when I come into sex, I have a lot on my brain, a lot on my mind. And when I receive or when I really enter into communion with my husband, I realize that part of my that part of my brain has been turned way down. And that's the right prefrontal cortex cortex and the amygdala respond um, positively to letting go of threat or stress because we are entering into this gift that God gave us. And so I think there's pretty cool brain science behind that. That is incredible to hear it all put that way. And when two become one, what has God designed to occur at the hormonal level? 
Yes, that's part of the chemical wash. So oxytocin is called the cuddle hormone. And it is amazing because upon orgasm, you can still experience it when you're just generally experiencing intimacy. But at orgasm, the amount of oxytocin is is a pretty huge wash. And so it is called the cuddle hormone because it makes you feel emotionally bonded, attached and close to the person that you are having sex with. And then if you look at them in the eyes while you're climaxing, it is just this incredible brainwash of oxytocin. And I love that because God designed sex to be something that bonds us together, that two shall become one flesh. And it's not just a duty. It's not just a, uh, you know, means to an end. It is this bonding experience. And dopamine is called the do it again hormone. And we often feel a huge amount of dopamine when we're first in love. It's that rush of excitement and you'll miss meals for your, you know, to have dates or to have long conversations. You'll just do all these crazy things because you're so full of dopamine and this rush of love. But it actually also happens when you're having sex. And so it's the do it again hormone that makes you want to come back for more, makes you feel connected. It makes you feel a bit kind of addicted to this love. It's drawing you in again and again, and that that's God's good gift. And then vasopressin, they call it the monogamy hormone because it has been known to make a man in particular feel deeply connected to the woman that he's looking at when he is having sex. And so how precious is that? There's been an experiment done where they showed a man several images of a woman, and then they showed him the woman that he's been intimate with, and his brain lit up in so many different ways when he saw the woman that he's been intimate with. So even if he could see pictures of other attractive women, the one that he's been intimate with does special things to his brain. And so I just love that because God designed us to be connected in a committed monogamous way that benefits us so on so many levels. And so it is really for our good. Marriage is for our good. It's for our health. And it produces so much good fruit in our marriage and beyond on a brain functioning level. And just to hear you say this, it makes me so in awe of our creator. And there's a scripture in Isaiah 513 that says, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. And I think that the knowledge you've sought out with the Lord and with all of these resources that he's gifted others with knowledge in this area, it's incredible because you can see the freedom that it unlocks. So we went a little bit micro with the hormones. And when we go macro, how do you see sex pointing to the gospel? Okay. So I love it because there are so many levels and you're right. It's like a, it's like a diamond. You can look at it from many angles and be in awe of the beauty of it on this theological, bigger picture level. One of the things that I love is that in the beginning, God took the body of a male and a female that he handcrafted from not just dust, like dirty grime, but glory dust from the garden dust. That the same dust that probably fell from stars when he threw them into space. There's actually been scientific proof that the dust that is on the earth has elements of stardust in it when they have really dissected pieces of dust, which is so cool to me because to think about it in the garden pre-fall, it's glory dust all over the ground. It is the glory of God on creation. And he made a man and a woman from that very dust. Well, we started with a man and then he brought the woman out of his side. And so when we see that, that he actually imprinted his nature on the body of a male and a female, all of that is so that their very bodies and their very created natures display an invisible part of God because God is invisible, but he wants to make himself visible. So he made us image bearers on the earth with visible bodies, with visible body parts with visible relating capacity so that we could see this invisible God who calls himself love and wants to be connected to us. 
And what what I love about the gospel is that when we look at a, the physiology of a man and a woman fitting together, we see the man pursuing the woman, literally like genitals initiating, pursuing and penetrating. We see the woman who's receptive and is filled with seeds of life, who has a womb to hold life, to nurture it in a secret place. And then fruit comes forth from her body. And so if we see that analogy of a male and a female, their bodies fitting together, it being a place of oneness and intimacy and love, fruitfulness and seeds growing into life, that is a picture of the gospel that we have been pursued with a love that is greater than any other love. And as we say yes to him, we are filled with the seeds of faith that when nurtured in the secret place, bring forth great fruit. And it is this song of intimacy. It's this narrative of an eternal love story that was imprinted on the body of a man and a woman displayed through marriage that points us to a never ending love with God. This love who he comes down on the earth in a body saying, I am like the bridegroom. I am the bridegroom coming for you, my bride. So all of these images of the bridegroom and the bride and a marriage and even a physical intimacy are pointing us to this end calling to this invitation to be connected to God forever in love that will never end. And I just love it because we see it on the anatomy and then we see it in the theology and it all is good and so powerful. You're so good at recognizing that and bringing it all together. That makes so much sense. Whether it's spiritual or scientific or something entirely different, what is your best list of benefits that come from a husband and wife connecting sexually on a regular basis? Well, I mentioned a few minutes ago about the reduction of stress, better rest, better best boost the immune system, reduces chronic pain. Those are some pretty great <laughs> benefits on the physical level. I would say on the emotional relational level, we've known in our marriage that we can either be lovers or roommates. And life is way more fun as lovers. And roommates kind of get on each other's nerves, but lovers have an extended grace and they have a multiplied joy and they just have more fun. And when things are hard, they bond together instead of run away from each other. And so I have found that the benefits of leaning in are that our marriage is a rock for us and it's a rock for our family and it's a rock for others. And it's worth investing in because it has so much strength to lend to us and to others. And it's worth putting the time in to make it good. And we've walked through some really hard things. It's not that, oh, our life is easy and it's been able to be good. We've walked through depression and anxiety and PTSD and trauma. And we've had several layers of really hard things, but we found that intentionally and regularly connecting gives us the grace to walk through the hard things. And it gives us the joy to have fun on the fun days. And it bonds us together so that we can come at the world as a team, as lovers, not as roommates. And there are so many levels that it benefits. So it doesn't just stir our affections for each other, which is a huge benefit, but even things that you wouldn't think of as much with coming together in sex increases certain antibodies that boost our immune system. And it burns calories when we're making love with our spouse and lowers blood pressure and improves sleep things that you would never know were connected, such as decreasing the chance of osteoporosis and heart disease. I mean, the list just goes on. It, it is so fascinating to learn. It really is. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. I'm so excited to share today's sponsor, Windshape Marriage, with you. Windshape Marriage is a fantastic ministry that helps couples prepare, strengthen, and if needed, even save their marriage. 
Wind-shaped marriage is grounded on the belief that the strongest marriages are the ones that are nurtured, even if it seems like things are going smoothly. That way, they'll be stronger if they do hit a bump along their marital journey. Through their weekend retreats, Wind-shaped marriage invites couples to enjoy time away to simply focus on each other. These weekend retreats are hosted within the beautiful refuge of Wind-shaped Retreat, perched in the mountains of Rome, Georgia, which is just a short drive from Atlanta, Birmingham, and Chattanooga. While you and your spouse are there, you'll be well-fed, well-nurtured, and well-cared for. During your time away in this beautiful place, you and your spouse will learn from expert speakers and explore topics related to intimacy, overcoming challenges, improving communication, and so much more. I've stayed on site at Windshape before, and I can attest to their generosity, food, and content. You will be so grateful you went. To find an experience that's right for you and your spouse, head to their website, windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. Francie, how can tired moms switch gears to ready and receptive wife? Mm. Yes, it is definitely a moment where the end of the day comes and I've been with babies all day or been helping with people with homework or maybe cleaning up the backyard or doing whatever it is that I would be doing on a regular day and realize, wow, it's been a few days. I think we really need to connect. Or he says, Hey babe, let's connect. Or, you know, we both have that look in our eyes of we, we want more for our marriage, but I'm exhausted. Or maybe we don't look at each other in the eyes, whatever it is, we've been together long enough that we know that sex is worth it even when we're tired. And so I have kind of created this silly little toolkit in my mind of a toolkit for switching gears. And for me, it's something as practical and silly as going to the bathroom and just saying, Lord, I choose connection and inviting him into my thought life about sex, inviting him into my emotional state and just saying, hey, I am tired, Lord, but I know that this is your good gift and it's for our good. And I want to celebrate it and honor your ways above my current emotions. And so in terms of silly and kind of practical, having some baby wipes around just makes it a lot easier because sometimes the barriers are things like I just feel dirty or I feel a little stinky or I worked out and I didn't take a shower yet or I'm just tired or I have baby spit up on my shirt. Just switching gears in that sense. Okay, I'm going to give myself a quick bird bath or hop in the shower real quick or put a splash of mascara on. Not that he notices, but sometimes it just helps me feel a little bit more awake or more kind of prepared and going into the bathroom with that little toolkit. And maybe one of the things we've done is we light a connection candle. That's been in our most tired seasons. Actually, we bought a candle and it was nothing fancy, but we would light it. And it was almost like a symbol of saying, okay, we're choosing each other and we're choosing to switch gears together. And so we would light the candle and it's just this physical acknowledgement that we are choosing each other and it doesn't happen by accident and happens through intentionality, especially in these later years of being full schedule parents. But um, a few of those tools of just some some pampering products, maybe some body powder or something to make you feel fresh and a connection candle. And this, that phrase, I choose connection, help me to switch gears, knowing that it'll be worth it. Those are some of the things that have helped me. And those are so practical for in that moment when you have the opportunity for a decision. But what about even being more proactive? You have six kids. So how are you prioritizing Things like sleep and exercise and drinking enough water, do you prioritize that? If so, how? And then how do you see that benefiting your sex life? Absolutely. I think self-care, you know, that word has a lot of different meanings to different people. But in order to love my husband and my kiddos, I have to care for my body. That does include drinking water. 
it includes being watchful of what I eat. I'm not like super crazy in terms of, you know, I don't count calories. I don't, but I try not to eat like only chicken nuggets off my kids' plates. <laughs> you know, I try to eat something that will make my body feel energized and feel healthy. I do have like a green drink that I've started drinking every morning for the last few years instead of coffee because it just makes my body feel better. And paying attention to what makes your body feel better helps you to know that you have the energy to love the people in your life. I definitely take naps almost every day because I've just realized I'm exhausted. And when I take that 20 minute power nap, it gives me that extra boost to keep going throughout the day. I think gratitude is a huge way that I switch gears because I can easily get fixated on what's not quite right and what is not going the best. But when I start changing my mind, which is your biggest sex organ, and I start thinking grateful thoughts about my husband, grateful thoughts about my day, grateful thoughts about my evening ahead of me, instead of all the things that are looming, I start thinking about what is good and what is pleasant and what is true and, and just what's there to be thankful for. It helps me a ton to switch gears in my mind. Well, and to get super practical, can we take a little side note and have you share what is in your green drink that you recommend? Oh, yes. I can send you a link. It's called Amazing Grass, and it's got a million good things in it. I need to even pull it up to see. I do the watermelon version because it has watermelon powder, which makes it taste not like grass as much. <laughs> Let me see if I can pull it up. Amazing Grass Superfood. And that's the brand is called Amazing Grass. And so it has helped me because after I had babies, I realized I was really dehydrated and I would just feel sick to my stomach. I love coffee. It was more like an experience for me, but I just realized my body doesn't need that. And so this has a little bit of energy and it just makes me feel a lot more ready for the day. So I drink it in the morning and then I drink it right after lunch just to have a little afternoon boost. Wonderful. We will put that link in our show notes as well. And sometimes connection occurs more consistently in marriage when the wife is enjoying sex more. But unfortunately, it seems like a lot of women are not yet enjoying sex. So how do you coach women on ways to enjoy sex more? You're right. It's it's tricky. And I think that there's several culprits of why we are not tapping into pleasure or desire as much as we could be. I think for me, I can just speak to me generally growing up kind of in the church movement. I, I don't think I was taught to think that was okay. And, you know, there is a point where you need to guard your heart and kind of not go there as much, but I think also not killing all of that capacity of you as a female and all that desire. There's a, there's a fine line between that of knowing what it's for and in the right context, cultivating desire um, I think one of the things that cracks me up that I think about that we've done over the years is we'll, we would go to a bookstore like Barnes and Noble that are becoming more and more rare, but we would go to Barnes and Noble, we would grab a sex book and I would always put a book on the outside of the sex book because I was too embarrassed that I was reading a sex book <laughs> and we would get tips or an idea about my anatomy or, you know, how our bodies work. Cause I, I got married. I literally knew nothing about my body as a woman. I knew nothing about it. And so I was just really needing an education in my body in general. And so it was really helpful. We would get in the car and we would both try to share one idea that we got about different tips, maybe a different position, maybe a different way my body works or his body works or responds. And we did that year after year. And I think just being open to learning about your body and learning about desire and paying attention to your body and being able to articulate it and not feel shame about naming desire. And a lot of times I will say I don't feel desire until I get there. It's not like I'm washing dishes and like, oh, babe, I'm feeling this and this. No, I'm feeling the dishes. But once I get into the bedroom and I feel connected to him, noticing that my body craves something in particular from him, 
getting the courage to say that out loud was a process for me and I'm still growing. And I think that's part of the joy of marriage is that you don't have to have it all figured out at one time. You grow in intimacy and you grow in your ability to connect. And so I think that is speaking kindly to your body, honoring the fact that God made you beautiful and loving your body, your post baby curves, knowing that what's most attractive about you is not the size of your jeans, but your confidence. That has been a big thing for me to learn as well. Absolutely. And I think that you were so wise to look into some resources and read books with your husband. I will put a link in the show notes as well for some of our most recommended resources, because obviously not all of them are created equal, and we would definitely recommend one within a biblical worldview. Yeah, it's a tricky world now that we're living in Amazon because you can't really, you don't know a bunch about a book before you read it, but we would always, we had parameters like never books with pictures, never books that are, you know, explicitly like worldly, but we learned a lot about our anatomy (laughs) that we needed to know. And sex books are really helpful when they take you one step at a time into different places that maybe nobody has ever educated you on. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to see your resource list too. I know that there are great ones within your circle of network. There is an exciting project taking place behind the scenes right now, and I would love to invite you to participate. I will give you more details as I'm able, but for now, here's my request. Will you email me your personal story of a specific way God has clearly shown up in your life? Big or small, I want to hear an account of the way He made Himself known to you and maybe received credit for an answered prayer or a way he worked out a situation in a miraculous way, or how he displayed his power in your life. There is no limit to the type of story to submit, as long as it's true. So please email me your story at this email address, info at thesavvysauce.com. I can't wait to read your story. Thanks for sharing. It may be tempting to think we'll start on this when our busy lives slow down, and that's regardless of the stage of life that all of us are in. But why do you think it's important instead to start working on this area now? Yeah. Well, the thing about intimacy is that if you're not growing, if you're not growing together, you're growing apart. It's just kind of how things work. You know, if you're not constantly upkeeping your house, it's kind of breaking down things are always needing to be attended to. And it's the same thing in relationships. They don't just stay stagnant. You're either digging deeper into intimacy and connection or you're drifting. And the drift happens subtly, but it's easy to wake up one day and look like, whoa, how are we roommates? We've been so busy. We've been holding babies. And it's it could be busy with a lot of good things, even ministry or mission work or work, getting your career off the ground. But without the intentionality of leaning in on purpose, there can be a huge drift. And we felt that when we had two kids under two, they were 16 months apart and I was getting my master's degree and he was a traveling salesman. And it felt like we just high-fived each other at the door and passed babies and continued our life. And it felt not the funnest, but not the worst. It was just this kind of stale place. And we looked at each other one day and we thought, this is not where we want to be. And this is not what we want to continue to do. And so we put a stake in the ground when our two oldest, they were babies, that was about 10 years ago, Actually, my daughter's about 12, so we're going on 12 years now, where we said we're going to start doing date night every night. And it was not when we had it all together. It was not when it was easy. It was not when it was convenient. It was just now because we want to fight for connection and we're going to make it work. And we've been prioritizing this date night every night for the last now almost 12 years. And it's been the most fruitful habit of our marriage because it is 
a place for us to learn how to love each other, to enjoy each other, to prioritize intimacy, to rest together, to laugh together, to walk together. What It's looked like a million different things through the years, but we prioritize this hour from eight to nine. And some seasons it's had to change, but an hour at night where we don't do phones, we don't do email, we don't do laundry, we're just together and we're building our intimacy together. And it's been the most fruitful habit because it's never a convenient time to start leaning into intimacy, but it's also not fun to drift into roommate land either. And so we made that decision and we were really glad that we did. Oh my goodness. You articulate it so well because that is literally our exact same even hour that we've never called it date night every night, but that has been the most fruitful part of marriage for us as well, I would say. Can you elaborate a little bit more and share some of those examples so that people can grasp onto it if they want to try it at home as well? Yeah, you know, it's real life, you know, and it's not like this. We call it date night every night because we were having a hard time finding a babysitter to even go on a date night. So we're like, well, let's just switch our mindset and have date night here. And when we get a babysitter, we're just like, yay, we're out on the town, but we are not going to wait for that to happen because we were in a new town and we didn't know people. So we decided to make things fun and we thought what would be fun, what would be connecting, what's something we can learn together. And so we did things like tea tastings where we bought a bunch of teas and we thought, let's just see if we can enjoy, you know, a couple different ones and learn about the world of teas. We've done some wine tasting to try to figure out that, you know, we're not very good at that, but it was just like, what can we experience and learn together that has some sort of something new for us. We've done video series where we've watched, you know, a documentary series together. We've had some times where we are like, we're going to screen fast because we're getting too complacent with sitting in front of a screen. And so we would take a month and do no screens and we'd play cards or we would go on a walk or we would read a book together. We've taken a class together, an online class, just different things in different seasons. We've listened to different teachers together, different Bible teachers. We've done a series of dry bar comedy where we would, you know, we needed to laugh in a certain season that was really heavy. So we would watch dry bar comedy at night. And obviously there's intimacy involved in that hour at some point, many nights a week, not every night, clearly, but um, that was also a part of it is set apart time where we know we're going to connect and we know it's going to happen because we've made it a priority. Those are such creative ideas. Thanks for sharing. And for someone who's internalized this message and maybe they want to go one step further, will you tell us now your view on a woman's superpower of initiation? Yes. Okay. Well, this is probably just best told in a story. You know, we all have different needs and different longings. And I remember in a season where my kids were really little and I was home with them all day by myself and my husband would drive in the driveway and I'd see his car lights on the window and think, yay, someone to talk to. I've been so lonely all day. And he would walk in and he had no words and he had no ability to communicate emotionally because he was exhausted and discouraged and in sales and it was hard. And I could feel resentment and some just sense of hardness of heart towards him and offense. And I felt like the Lord said, Francie, you can be offended or you can initiate and become an offering to him and to me. Because being offended doesn't do you any good or get you the intimacy you long for in the long run. But I've given you a gift and you can pursue him right now and and love him in a special way and become an offering of worship with that gift. And so I thought, you know what? I think God is calling me to love him, even though, you know, I'm feeling a little mad. (laughs) And so I, I spoke to him and I said, hey, Wyatt. I put the kids in front of a movie, meet me upstairs for a quick mommy daddy meeting. And he, he looked at me with a surprised look 
And we connected physically, intimately. And afterwards, I could tell there was such a sense of feeling loved in him, in his face. He started communicating. He talked to me a ton after that. And I realized that I have a superpower and it is to initiate when he's discouraged, when he's down, maybe when he's just a little distracted and he's not thinking, or maybe when he's feeling really heavy about some things and he doesn't feel confident and he doesn't feel adequate and he doesn't feel able to pursue me. I can lean into him and I have this special gift and it's never to manipulate. It's never to become transactional or to be abused in that way, but it is to love and it's to love in a unique way where I can initiate with him because clearly physiologically, it doesn't take much for me to have sex, but it takes something from him. And so I can wake that up in him in a really precious way that makes him feel deeply loved when he's not able or maybe thinking about doing it towards me. And it blesses both of us. And so I've seen it as a gift where I never got married thinking that I would be the initiator. There have been seasons where I have been the initiator for a lot of reasons, and it's been a really powerful gift for our marriage. Thank you for sharing that. I love all of your paradigm shifts and seeing things in such a positive outlook. Clearly, we value sexual intimacy in marriage as we've devoted these past two weeks to this discussion. However, do you believe it's ever possible for us to focus on this too much? You know, I think we can honor it as a gift or we can idolize it as an idol and we can focus on it too much. And I think the focus on it too much might indicators of that might be increasing levels of kind of obsession or anxiety or worry, you know, things that were really, and and those might be indicators that we need some extra help. We need some extra perspective. I think when it's a celebration and it's bringing life to your marriage and it's bearing fruit either in procreation or in a sense of abundance and heaven on earth breakthrough, I think that's awesome. But when it does get into pressure or worry or anxiety, I think that's definitely a, a red flag of just, hey, let's bring some other perspective into this. If it is only about the two of you and it doesn't point to a higher calling, a higher vision, a higher good, an overflow of love that ripples out. I think because our pornographic society has been so influential, if it's like too much intensity on the act and people feel crushed in the process, that's not life-giving. But I think God honoring sex brings life to the marriage bed, that brings life to the home, that brings life to the rest of our, our experience of life. That's the indicator of like the health. But when it becomes so introspective and kind of pressure filled, yeah, I think that's a place to reach out for help and reach out for perspective. The Bible is so full of abundance and opportunity. And Song of Solomon is an invitation to a total feast of love with your lover under this covenant and this banner of love that it is often underexplored and underappreciated in the church. So I think having even these conversations that you're hosting, are they're helping us refocus and recenter on what is good and what is true and what is lovely. Well, and it's so sharpening to go back and forth with this as you're speaking. It makes me think yes to the side of, I think the underlying encouragement is that I hope people will connect more and will be free. And yet I think it's that small subculture of maybe there's sexual addiction or a lot of pornography in the past and things that where culture or where Satan has robbed this area, there may be a season, like you said, seeking help, getting professional care. And yet God is so big and so powerful. We can reclaim that and get back to that feast as it was intended. 
I totally agree. Well said. Well, Francie, we've discussed some critically important parts of marriage these past few weeks, and I do think that it's common then for the enemy of our souls to try and discourage us after we've received a gift like this. So will you pray now for everyone listening as we begin to wind down our time together? I would love that. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your good gift of our bodies. Thank you that you came in a body to redeem us and to reclaim us and to reveal to us how we were made to love. And that love looked like a self-giving sacrifice of your body, that you died on the cross, that we could be reunited to God's garden dream, which was intimacy with himself and intimacy in relationship with others. We thank you for your sacrificial death and your victorious resurrection, Jesus, that in you we can find hope. In you, we can reclaim what the enemy has stolen. In you, we can find healing. In you, we can find redemption that not only impacts our bedroom and not only impacts our family, but that ripples out into our spheres of influence in our community and that has a generational impact. And so we just even say today as as followers of you, we just say that brokenness, sexual brokenness ends here. We lay it at the cross and we come to you to give us the exchange for wholeness. And we say that our children will experience something better. And we invite you into our family culture and into our conversations to teach us and our children a new way of seeing our bodies, a new way of seeing marriage, a biblical way of seeing sexuality so that we can know you and show you in it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Francie, will you also remind us now, where can listeners find and follow you online? Oh, yes. My website, FrancieWinslow.com, has blog posts and information and an invitation to go deeper with me with the Heaven in Your Home Discipleship Circle, which is going to be a membership site uh, starting this summer where we can go deeper on all the topics we've talked about. And in addition, there's a weekly podcast that's released for free for everyone called the Heaven in Your Home Podcast, Sex, Marriage, and the Mission of God. Wonderful. We will link to all of that in our show notes today. And we are called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so as my final question for you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? I think today I'm just going to say that your words have the power of life and death and speak life over your body, over your mind, over your heart, over your marriage, over your marriage bed, over your spouse. Because as an image bearer of God, you have incredible power to speak truth that sets people free and that sets your marriage free to experience more abundance. So find out what it is your husband needs encouragement on and encourage him or your wife, I guess, if you're a man listening, that's what do they need to be built up in and use your words to build up your marriage. Because as we speak, God will move powerfully to shift the atmosphere of our home and make more space for his heavenly realm and rule to reveal itself so that we can walk in his goodness in our homes and with our families. Well, Francie, you are such a powerful communicator and you're such a natural encourager. And I appreciate all of the wisdom that you've imparted to us today. Thank you so much for being my guest. It was such a gift to me. Truthfully, it's very honoring how you interview people because you really internalize what they have to offer and then you help them communicate it. Thank you for having me. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. 
Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10:9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.